Um, if you start to shift away from a model where you purely just sell something. Welcome to the Wait and Speak podcast. I'm your host, Rikweer Wait. My guest for today is Laura Belmont, and we'll be talking about the circular economy and circular fashion. And without further ado, here's the interview. Laura, welcome to the Wait and Speak podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. So, Laura, Laura, to start us off with, um, can you please tell us a bit more about the circular economy? What does it entail? And then um, how does that relate to the zero waste movement? Absolutely. So, perhaps helpful to contrast it a little to the economy we have today, which we describe as linear. So, we take resources out of the ground, we make them into to products, which are then used, um, you know, sometimes for quite a short period of time before they end up being disposed of into landfill or an incineration. So this current model is, you know, it's very one way. Uh, ultimately, the conclusion is, you know, the resources all end up towards landfill or incineration. And actually, the way things are designed right now, um, we did some research uh, a few years ago when we had a look at where where is waste being created purely by how things are, are chosen and, and designed. And a typical European car is parked for 92% of the time. Uh, the rest of the time, it's either sat in traffic or uh, you're driving around looking for a parking space. So actually, only 5% of the time that is driving time is going from A to B. Um, and so this sort of shows quite clearly that by you know thinking about how mobility and how do you get people around, actually in the current way of designing things and, and how things are thought about, you know, there's huge amounts of waste. So within a circular economy, uh, that somewhat flipped on its head and said, uh, you know, how do you design from the outset so that, that waste and, and pollution are not, not created? How do you think about not only who your customer is, you know, what are their needs, but what happens to that product when it's not being used or when it will no longer be used? So there's three core principles uh, to the circular economy. And the first one is design out waste and pollution make sure that the very design doesn't, doesn't ultimately create that, to keep products and their materials in use. Obviously, once you've gone through huge amounts of effort to create a product, um, extracted the materials, uh, used labour to turn them into um, nice, beautiful things that we want to use, keeping them in use is the, is the best scenario you can have. And then to regenerate natural systems. Um, and what that means is, you know, if we are taking resources how do you actually ensure that they are you know, either grown or produced in a way that leaves the soil or the environment in a better condition than, than when we found it? Thank you, Laura. That, that's some great examples, especially I like the one around the car. Um, you know, to think how much do you actually use it? Um, and, and then obviously there are environmental benefits, but what are some of the broader um, benefits and then economic benefits of transforming an economy towards a circular economy? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the word economy is is in circular economy, so that's a really important part. Um, you know, by using resources more productively, there's you know real opportunities there for economic growth. Um, you know, increasing the circular economy activities, looking at new ways of, of making money from the same materials, and actually lowering the cost of production of of products through, um, I guess, more intense use of the resources that they come from. The uh, some of the work that we did and uh, a study we looked at, you know, what would be the overall materials cost savings if you could keep them in use for much much longer? And within the EU, we found that there would be a, a sort of yearly benefit on materials of uh, 630 billion US dollars just purely on products like phones, um, computers, 
just by keeping those materials in use for longer. There's also, uh, I guess, somewhat different opportunities for businesses to build new relationships with their customers. Um, If you start to shift away from a model where you purely just sell something to where you potentially rent or um, take back and then resell items, provides a whole new range of opportunities for, uh, I guess, customer loyalty, but then also having further income from from those customers. Um, And I mean, as well as that, there's a greenhouse gas emissions and climate change is very high priority at the moment on people's lists. Uh, A number of organisations, policymakers have, you know, clear targets on on greenhouse gas emission reduction. And we were looking at, you know, well, where do the emissions come from in the first place? And just over half, 55% of, of greenhouse gas emissions are coming from the way that we produce energy. Um, but 45% comes from the actual way that we we make products and the way that we source um, sort of food and other agricultural products. So moving to renewables, of course, is, is one step forwards, and that will, will tackle the 55% of the energy production. But there's this whole 45% of greenhouse gas emissions that require a transformation of the way that, that products are actually made. And, and, and I think... Something that's really standing out from from what you're saying is it's about this whole system of how we produce uh, produce not only produce and consume products but then obviously what what happens at the end of that life cycle um, and I think there's really some great opportunities um, to get benefits out of this just designing the system in 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 this way um, and you touched on climate change as well I think just normal um, lowering emissions and, and really making an effective change to combat climate change is going to require something like this. We we really des- redesign our systems um, to, to make a bigger impact on, on reducing those emissions. But obviously there are all these benefits, but um, what are some of the challenges that you've perhaps seen around policymaking and, and the challenges for policymakers to, to implement these types of projects and, and, and rather these broader scale reform obviously i think it's it's difficult to change a system that's really entrenched I, I, i'm just assuming that's one of the big challenges is to get people to change um, and to transform these systems of how they think i think starting of how they think about the system but then actually changing the system for the better yeah absolutely and i think that that first piece you know you're saying people are very entrenched in, in a way of thinking and moving to a circular economy will require you know, a, a huge effort in, in terms of investment, innovation and, and moving forwards. And so what we've been looking to do and also see is how can we support that shift by providing a very clear vision of what good looks like. Uh, quite often it can be quite tricky to, you know, to work through all the different terminologies and the different sort of certifications and standards that are out there. Um, and so so one of the pieces of work we've done it with with plastics and I think we can talk about our fashion work in a minute but we've said look how can we at least start to put out a common vision that the, the whole industry but also not just industry but therefore you know policymakers and others can appreciate that this is the end goal we all want to achieve and therefore more easily start to say well then what could be some some innovative solutions to get there uh, I mean policymakers are obviously one stakeholder but such a huge shift will require unprecedented collaboration across the whole um, the whole industry, you know, all stakeholders that are involved. And I think for, you know, policymakers actually having the businesses to look at who are getting started with this, you know, provides quite a, 
a good sort of fact base for them to to make informed decisions on how they can better create enabling conditions for those businesses to succeed. Yeah, great. So, so I think again, what what stood out there for me is is um, I think creating this uh, shared v- uh, vision, um, but a very valid point that you made, it's not only about policymakers, it's obviously about the broader group of stakeholders and that's businesses and obviously um, I think uh, consumers as well, getting consumers to change their behavior and rather opt for more sustainable products. Um, then I'd like to move on to fashion. Obviously, we you do a lot of work. Um, you know, and fashion is a big, a big industry, an important industry. We're all dependent on it, and it's a big part of the global economy. Um, can you tell us a bit more about the current system of, of fashion and the almost kind of a linear system of producing, uh, producing textiles and clothes? Um, and 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 then obviously, what what is a better way of uh, of changing um, or, or designing the system for fashion in terms of the work that you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yes, you've mentioned uh, a linear system. So a few years ago, we undertook a piece of research where we wanted to understand, you know, what materials are going into the fashion fashion industry? Where, you know, what are they and and where do they ultimately end up? And we found that in doing that research, you know, of all the the input that's going in, I mean, around 100 billion tonnes worth of of fibres to be made into fabrics over, over the course of quite a short time, actually, less than 1% of anything that ever gets put into into clothing is being recycled back into to clothing. There's a small amount that's being what we'd call sort of downcycled that's being turned into items um, such as cleaning cloths or insulation um, that, that then after you know another use will still ultimately end up in landfill. Um, but with the amount of waste that's created during the production process and then being disposed of at the end, uh, you know, around 83% of what's going into the system is, is just quite quickly ending up in, in landfill or in incineration, so much so that the equivalent of one rubbish truck full of textiles is being landfilled or burned every second globally. So there's a huge challenge in terms of the, the amount, amount of, of waste that's being created. On top of that, the, the production processes for fashion, you know, can be quite polluting Things like conventional cotton require huge amounts of synthetic uh, fertilizers and, and pesticides, and also are very thirsty crops, so they use a lot of, of water to grow them. Um, during the production of the garments themselves, you know, there's a, a number of dyes and, and finishing treatments that, if not treated in the wastewater before they're released, um, can have very harmful impacts on uh, the local environment and, and people that are exposed to them. And I think what we found was more surprising was not only is there a huge amount of waste being created and and this pollution during the production process um, was that actually the situation is increasingly getting, you know, increasingly getting worse. We we found that the number of clothes produced uh, each year had doubled between 2000 and, and 2015. But actually in that time, the average amount of time that a an item was worn for had decreased by almost 40%. Um, so we're making more, but using it less, um, which, you know, doesn't take uh, too strong a mass to work out. That doesn't take us to a, a fantastic conclusion. So when we talk around this sort of linear economy, you know, unfortunately, at the moment with, with fashion, that is a very stark example, a very, you know, very strong example of, of what that looks like. 
Well, that's some, uh, you know, quite quite a, a concerning perspective um, to think about that whole process and what you've just the example you just gave. And I, I think it's so. It's again, it's the whole production process, but then just all of that waste. Um, you know, I think, and, and again, it's the broader idea behind the circular economy is just to get rid of all of that waste. Um, so yeah, it's definitely concerning. Can um, then can you maybe tell us a bit more about the work that you do at the Ellen MacArthur Foundation specifically around? Um, you know, cir circular fashion, and perhaps you've given other examples as well, just around you know promoting the circular economy and um, you know getting getting change to move away from this uh, waste um, in the system. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, as I mentioned, you know, one of the things is that clothes are being increasingly used less. You know, they're seeing more more and more as a disposable item. So, I mean, one of the biggest opportunities already to to reduce the impact um, of the fashion industry is to just simply keep clothes in use for longer um, whether that's you know designing them and making them to be more durable uh, so they last longer and they don't need to be replaced as often or whether that's you know actually starting to implement new business models that allow customer needs still to be met um, but you know the clothes that can still stay in circulation for a long time so what I mean by that is there's, there's a range of different people out there there's, there's the sort of the person on one extreme that you know is happy to find a pair of jeans and a t-shirt that fits them uh, they love that <laughs> they want that to last forever and you know never have to go shopping again and and there's real opportunity to to work on the durability of those items and find ways to keep them in use to keep them you know look at repairing them offering services that can help that person to keep them in use on the other end of the spectrum um, there's people that you know they want a new outfit to go out on a on a friday night and they want to have um different different things to show on their instagram and so there, there's, you know, huge opportunity around business models that allow for a short term rental of clothing or even um, one of my four more favorite examples, which is around digital clothing, um, which is where it's sort of the image is superimposed onto a, a photograph of yourself so that actually the clothes never even exist. So they don't create the waste of you wearing them once and then not wearing them again because they, they never actually existed. So the, the number one priority would be to, to keep the clothes in use for longer. Uh, the second one then very much comes down to, you know, the design of the product and, and how that fits in with that model that keeps it in use. So ensuring that clothes are made to be made again. They are designed thinking about, you know, what happens when that user no longer wants them? What are the opportunities for them to be taken apart, um, disassembled? Quite often, I think, you know, a lot of the stitching or, or the embellishments can, can cause challenges for the recycling processes. And that also that the choice of materials um, and the chemistry used doesn't prevent recycling a bit further down the line. We've been finding that the recyclers, you know, increasingly find it harder to to recycle the the items they're getting because there's a shift towards increased number of blended materials. So it might be a cotton with polyester with viscose, um, or you know, even up to five or six different materials sometimes included in the same same fabric. So really, you know use more made to be made again and then the sort of fundamentals are from safe recycled and renewable inputs so really shifting away from virgin resources every time but finding ways to you know ensure that we can get as much recycled content into the clothes as possible um, once that's you know done there will inevitably always need to be some level of new materials provided and, and put into the system but those should be looking at coming from renewable and where relevant regenerative sources um so that's sort of the sort of the vision i guess that we see 
for what the future of the, the fashion industry could look like. And in terms of you asked about the, the work that we've been doing to, to get there, Make Fashion Circular is an initiative that we set up a, a couple of years ago with a number of different representatives across the fashion industry. So whether that's from um, the fabric manufacturers or the, um, the recyclers, just in terms of the, um, the work that we're doing. So we, we set up Make Fashion Circular, as I was saying, with a few uh, different stakeholders across the, the value chain with an aim to really see how we could get action in place behind the vision that we had set out in our earlier report, A New Textiles Economy, and also this idea of ensuring actions behind making sure clothes are used more, made to be made again from safe and renewable inputs. Um, so one of the earlier projects that we did was called Where Next?, and this was a collaborative project with a number of, uh, you know, typically competitive brands, uh, ASOS, H&M, Gap, Zara, in the US, working with the city of New York to really get the message out there collaboratively that clothes have a value and that when you don't want them anymore, there's so many other options that you can bring them, you know, to a thrift store, or a swap event. You can bring them back to the store you bought them from in a number of cases uh, to make sure that they are kept in use. Um, for as long as possible. So we had posters around New York and, and an influencer campaign, really sharing that message collaboratively across a number of different brands. And the city of New York actually created a map online where you could go and find your nearest one. So it, it was making it as convenient as possible. There were over a thousand locations within New York where you could potentially take back clothes to. And then more recently, we've been looking, I mentioned around, you know, it's very much about the design and the choices that are made at the design stage. Um, so how do you do that for clothes? How do you make sure you can design clothes where you won't create waste? They, you know, they're designed in, in line with an option at the end when they can't be used anymore to be taken back and, and align with recycling processes. And we said, well, it's, <laughs> it's quite a complex topic. We're quite aware that it's, it is a tricky topic to get started. So to narrow it down, we said, why don't we start with a pair of jeans, which is something that's obviously very iconic and uh, a number of, of people can relate to, plus a number of brands make them. So we looked at how we could create a pair of jeans in line with the circular economy um, based on the technologies that are available today and the innovations that are available today, uh, but would, would be a really ambitious step forwards. And this is where we came up with our jeans redesign project. Um, so we worked with a number of different uh, recyclers, brands, denim experts to create sort of very ambitious and specific guidelines around a pair of jeans that would fit within the circular economy that had real um, very strong characteristics on the durability of the garment, the recyclability, so how it aligned with available recycling technologies that you could you know send it to in the, in the near future if needed, the materials health so that, that everything was going into that pair of jeans was was safe and, and wouldn't harm people or the environment and uh, the traceability so that after use they could easily be identified as a pair of jeans from that project uh, and we've been working with um, a number of brands to actually you know not just leave it at writing guidelines but actually to um, to get them to implement those guidelines and produce jeans in line with them uh, some already will be coming available on the market towards the end of this year or at the latest by May next year. Wow, 
that's some really great work that you guys are doing and um, I think it's great that you're also collaborating with all these different brands um, and then I really like the example about digital clothing that's that's quite interesting um, I think there are really a lot of innovative options um, if you d just think differently about it so you really gave some great examples there and I think you've already um, partially touched on my next question I wanted to ask is just around you know if our listeners want to become more involved um, what might be some of the options that they could follow, you know, to, to contribute towards uh, moving towards a, a circular economy and being more aware of, you know, the clothes they wear and um, the options around uh, sustainable fashion? Yeah, it, it's always a tricky one when we get asked around sort of what customers can do, because in some ways I think there's, you know, the system hasn't been designed so far to to be able to to help people to make good choices all the time. So it, it can be quite tricky to understand, you know, from the variety of different options that are out there, um, you know, what does good really mean? Which is why we did create the the project like the Jeans Redesign. Um, increasingly, we are seeing more um, choices offered from the brands and, and hopefully that will continue. But as I mentioned at the beginning, I mean, one of the the biggest factors, you know, is to keep the clothes in use for as long as possible. So uh, if people can find ways to look at you know, pre-loved or uh, other options for, for clothes, finding ways to share, swap, resell clothes after use. Um, that's obviously, you know, a, a great way. Finding ways to um, maintain the clothes and, and keep them looking new for as long as possible is another one. Um, making sure that your uh, your other half doesn't put everything in the tumble dryer all at once <laughs> so that it doesn't come out looking like it, it did before <laughs> is, is a good one. Um, and I think increasingly we will start to see businesses offering you know opportunities to help customers to do that as well so it's a bit of a combination of you know businesses starting to to offer increasingly good choices and and i guess somewhat taking that burden off the customer to ever have to make that choice um, but equally as as customers we can definitely do more to to look after our clothes and, and ensure they they stay looking newer for longer Definitely. No, that's great. Laura, then to, to finish up with, um, are there any uh, books or other resources you could rec recommend for our listeners that are interested to learn more about, you know, um, the circular economy and then specifically uh, circular and sustainable fashion? Yeah, there's huge amounts of resources online, actually, that we're starting to see come through. I mean, from, from our side, from the Ellen MacArthur Foundation side, we now have um, a lot on, on the circular economy on our learning hub so if you want to find out about what circular economy means not just for fashion but for food or finance um, a number of different industries there's there's huge resources there in terms of uh, the new textiles economy report that I mentioned but actually we even now have a design uh, guide toolkit where you can find a number of different resources about how do you start to consider designing for the circular economy um, and then outside that I mean a lot of the universities have been been sharing some really great resources the Centre for Sustainable Design uh, in London and um, Central St Martins, a number of things on their website that are available, as well as RAP, which is, uh, I think, very UK specific, but is the Waste and Resources Action Programme. And they have a number of, of guidelines on how to design for durability, um, how to design for, for recyclability. And then one, I guess, more <laughs> given, given your focus on economics, um, a, a very interesting read is Kate Rayworth and Donut Economics, uh, looking at how do you design an economy and remain within planetary boundaries. 
Fantastic. Thanks so much. Um, I'll definitely share um, the links in the show notes so our listeners can go and check that out. It sounds like, um, like you mentioned, there's really a lot of great resources and especially from the Ellen MacArthur Foundation. So I look forward to also um, reading up on that myself as well. Uh, but Laura, thank you so much. It's been really a pleasure to speak to you and um, I hope we can do, do it again soon. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And that's a wrap for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Until next time, happy listening.